I will be reading from 1 Corinthians 16, uh, 13, and 14. Uh, Be on your guard, stay firm in the path. Uh, Be men of courage, be strong, do everything in love. Exodus 33, we'll be there here in just a minute. But a couple of things as we get started. There was uh, this announcement was given to me here just a minute ago that uh, Jared Deegan, he grew up among us here, is is wrestling for Iowa State. Now he plays seventh at the national uh, wrestling tournament, and he is uh, was an All American. So it's kind of neat when when someone one of our own does some amazing things like that and accomplishes something great. And so you can send him messages or or Jane. I know that Jane and the rest of the family they're uh, not back yet from. Uh, the being at the national tournament, but that's quite an accomplishment. So it's something we can uh, we can be excited about as well. And it looks like spring is here. Maybe is it happening? Yeah, I think so. So it's warming up. It's been a been a cold few months, and it's really nice that um, the sun's come out and and uh, and warming stuff up for for all of us. Uh, last weekend, I had the opportunity. I taught on Sunday morning in Great Falls at the Great Falls Youth Rally. And my family went there, and there was 16 kids from the church here went and participated. And, and it's a, you know, we host a youth rally here in August that we'll start planning for here shortly. But there's several youth rallies that happen around Montana where the teenagers can go and participate in and get some spiritual encouragement before they go back into the world wherever, wherever they may live, wherever the churches may be. And there was kids that came from Canada, and there was some from Idaho and some from Wyoming. And there was a, a great representation there. And our 16 kids that we had there, they're great kids. Uh, there's God's got is doing things now and has great plans. I'm, I'm certain for for all the kids that are part of the church here and um, and the ones that could participate and the ones that couldn't participate in the youth rally. But we're we're so blessed and it's great the, that we have the opportunity to invest in in young souls as they grow up to to love and honor God. And so the lesson I'm going to share here is is an adaptation of what I shared in, in Great Falls because it was it was one that. That touched my heart as I shared it, and and it was uh, it seemed there was a lot of comments that I got back from people saying yeah, that was that was important for me to hear this today. So if God spoke there, I'd have tried to we're going to give the opportunity for God to be able to speak the same lesson here, and we'll get back into Luke next week. The clock is working in the back. I heard about this last week that John Defford was preaching, and the clock stopped. And yeah, funny stuff. Kind of amazing how some sometimes God's sense of humor, if that's what it is, whatever. Um, but it was uh, exciting times last week, I heard. So we're going to go into talk about um, we're going to talk about several different people from Scripture here. But how many of you have ever seen this movie here, Finding Nemo? Yes. How many of it changed? How many of you this movie changed your life? <laughs> okay, there's a few. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, very good. Yeah, there's some good messages in there. The story is basically there is a clownfish named Marlin that has a bunch of kids, baby clownfish, and this big bad barracuda comes along and eats all of them except one. Now, what was the little fish's name? Do you remember? Nemo. Nemo, that's right, Finding Nemo. That's, that's the name of the movie. And so here you have Nemo is this little clownfish that Dad Marlin is super overprotective, and of course Nemo gets lost. And the story is this, this great adventure that Nemo and Dory, a sidekick that he finds along the way, 
go and all the, the things that they have to overcome in order to try to find this little fish, Nemo. And it's amazing. They come in contact with this big shark named Bruce. How many of you remember Bruce? Bruce is a huge shark that has decided he's never going to eat meat again, and he's trying to work through his own stuff. You know, there's there's all, all these crazy things that happen that it seems like throughout the whole movie, right on the edge of disaster. But one of the phrases that Dory says is, "Just keep swimming, swim, swim, swim. Just keep swimming." And no matter what happens, you just keep swimming. You just keep moving. You just keep going forward. And, and so the, the theme of the youth rally was finding Jesus. And the topic I spoke about was just keep swimming. And so I want to look back at some of these people because my tendency sometimes, and maybe all of us, is to look at Scripture and look at these people of faith and think, oh, man, these people are phenomenal. Look at how much they have on the ball. I can never experience something like that. I can never be like that. But what we find is that following God, there's everyone who follows God has the desire at some point in time to quit, to say, this is not worth it. I'm done. And sometimes that happens because Satan gets into us with sin issues and we just have all sorts of guilt and we think there's no way that God can ever forgive me. I just got to bail. I just I'm not good for anything and I'm out. Uh, sometimes there's discouragement from non-believers that uh, people around us that are not followers of Christ discourage us from wanting to follow Christ, and, and we leave because of that. There's other times that there's discouragement comes from believers, from people who claim to be Christians that don't act like it and provide a discouragement that causes us, or, or we use it as an excuse, to run and leave and the community of God. And so there's... I've. You know, I, there's too many people I know that have, that have experienced that. Uh, discouragement from people who, who, are, who claim to be Christians and, and that, that heartache. And, and I can give you names, and you can give me names of, of situations like that when it happens. So the key for us is never be those people that discourage people and don't give hope. But look at these examples here. Here's some people who were discouraged. Can you think of who this might be here? Who's this guy right there? That's Moses, right. When you look at Exodus 33, verses 12 and 13, go ahead and turn there. Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and, have found, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that, you may know, so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And so Noah, excuse me, Noah, Moses Okay, I get those confused because my kids ask me on a regular basis how many animals of each kind that Moses took in the ark. Okay, right? And sometimes I fall for it if I don't stop and think. Because Noah went on the ark, not Moses, right? But Noah is telling... I did it again. Moses, Moses is telling God here, I'm overwhelmed. I, I don't know how to do this. You've called me to this ministry that I just don't know how to, how to walk through. And, and I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. Would you please help me? And God's response is, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And what happens is God passes in front of Moses and describes who he is in the next chapter and gives Moses comfort. It gives Moses courage and peace because Moses is at a point where he's saying, and you see this a few different times with Moses, I want to quit. I am discouraged. I want to be done. I want to be finished. I want to... I, I, I didn't ask for this. 
And God says, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. Moses, just hang in there. And God provides comfort here in this circumstance. When we look at the next uh, example, who do, we, who do you think this is here? Any ideas? Joshua, that's right. Joshua. In Joshua chapter 7, what you see happen is, in, is something that's really discouraging for Joshua. Because in the previous chapters, there's been some amazing things happen. Is this difficult people that Moses had to lead, that Moses was continually saying, I want out of this. And God would, would give him encouragement and keep him going. Joshua led their children, and the children had learned some things. The children had learned that we don't want to be like our folks. We're going to be faithful to God, and we're going to act better. And we're going to, to not try to, make, try to disobey constantly. And we're going to put our faith in God. And so the Israelites that Joshua is leading cross over the Jordan on dry land. They march around Jericho, as God has called them to, and the city falls apart. And the Israelites rush in, and they, they take the city Amazing, amazing situations, these people walking by faith. But something happens next. As Joshua and the, and the leaders say, hey, this next town over is, is small. It's no big deal. Just send a few people there, and we won't trouble all of our army to go and take care of this city named Ai. We're just going to go destroy it with a few people. Well, they go over, and instead of, of routing this city, the opposite happens. And there's several Israelites die in the process. And Joshua comes back to to the, in front of God's ark in the presence of God and gets down on his face and he spends most of the day there. And he says, basically, God, we lost and it's kind of your fault. Okay, You brought us here. Something went wrong here. And how is this making you look, God? And God's response to Joshua is, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? And that's an exact quote. That's what God tells him. Joshua, stand up. What are you doing on your face? There is sin in the camp. There's things that were taken from from, um, Jericho that were not supposed to be taken. And you need to get up and you need to go deal with this. Okay? This is not a time to be down on your face. Get up and go take care of this right now. And Joshua does. And the sin is taken care of. And the people continue on and are are courageous after this point in time. But at this point, Joshua wanted to quit, and, and he really blamed God for it. Read through that section. He's, he's not too happy with, with what God has provided at this point in time. And he, he's discouraged. And God says, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? See other people who are discouraged. What about this guy? Can you pick out from the picture who this guy might be? It's Elijah. Yeah, Elijah has got this roller coaster of a life. There's amazing things that happen, and then there's great discouragement. And so at one point in time, Joshua, excuse me, Elijah goes up on this mountain. And there's, there's prophets of Baal and there's prophets of Asherah that are there because the Israelites had started following those idols. And Elijah goes up there and meets him as one against all of these, these different prophets of these idols that that required human sacrifices and just detestable idols. And Elijah gets up there and says, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to decide today who, which God is real. And so let's build these altars, and you guys can start first. And what you're supposed to do is call down fire from heaven by your gods so that they, that fire can be consumed. You do that, and then I'll go second. 
And so these prophets of Baal and prophets of Asherah get out there and they start working themselves into a frenzy and, and jumping around and cutting themselves. And you can imagine the, the disaster. It says that blood flowed freely. And they do that all through the morning and, and uh, into to part of the, the second part of the day. And Elijah is, says, well, maybe your God is traveling. Maybe he can't answer. You know, maybe you need to scream louder. You can imagine he's there, just one against all of these people. And finally, Elijah, as they build this altar, puts a sacrifice on top, pours water on top of it, kneels down and says, God, let them know who is the real God in Israel. And God sends down fire from heaven that consumes the altar. Not only the sacrifice, but the altar as well. And what happens next, as you can imagine, coming off of something like that, my reaction would be, yes, God has done something great here. Look at all the courage that I've got. I'm going to continue on. But what happens is Elijah runs, and the queen says, uh, if you're alive tomorrow, then <laughs> not going to happen. We're going to take you down. This is it. You killed my prophets, so now you're going to be killed. You're going to become just like them. And Joshua, or excuse me, Elijah's response, again, is, as he, he, he cries out to God, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Oh, here I am, I'm trying to do all this good, and I'm all alone. Nobody around me wants to do good. And God responds, and he says, go back the way you came. Because what God allows Elijah to do is he, Elijah runs clear out of the area to the mountain of God where the Israelites had met him before. And he says this, God, I'm the only one left. And God, there's a storm, there's, there's fire, there's all that. And God answers him out of a quiet whisper. He says, Elijah, go back the way you came. Because you're not alone. There's 7,000 other people that have not bowed their knee to Baal. And I'm going to give you help, but you need to go right back into the fight. You cannot leave it. Go back just the way you came. And he sent Elijah back. He didn't give him a pass. He didn't say, all right, Elijah, you've done your, your part. You're done. You're finished. It's okay. Pull up the lazy boy and have a, have a seat. He says, go right back the way you came and be courageous. And it's exactly what Elijah needed, and he did it. Here we have another one. Anybody know who this might be? is Jeremiah. Jeremiah was called, I believe, one of the toughest ministries I see in Scripture. God approaches him and says, Jeremiah, I've got plans for you. You're going to go and you're going to spread the message, my message to the rest of the Israelites because they've forgotten about me. They're worshiping all these other gods. And by the way, people are not going to listen. People are going to ignore you and it's not going to go very well. And how, how's that for a job description? Now, that's a pretty, pretty scary proposition. And Jeremiah says, I don't know how to speak. I'm too young. After God says, I've known you, I've ordained you for this. And, and you've, I've got a plan for you. You've got this great mission. Jeremiah says, I don't know how to speak. I'm too young. I can't do that. And God's response is, do not say, I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you and to say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and I will rescue you. Go for it, Jeremiah. It's okay. It's all right. And God provides these comforting words here. But that's not the end of it for Jeremiah. We see another time here where Jeremiah in chapter 12 gets really discouraged. 
And I'll read it here. Go ahead and turn to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. And this is what Jeremiah has to say. You are always righteous, Lord, when I bring a case before you. Yet I would, yet I would speak to you about your justice. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all the faithless live at ease? You have planted them and they have taken root. They grow and bear fruit. You are always on their lips, but far from their hearts. In other words, they say all this good stuff about you, but they don't, they don't care what you, you say. Yet you know me, Lord. Yet you see my, my, and test my thoughts about you. Drag them off like sheep to be butchered. Set them apart for the day of slaughter. How long will the land lie parched and the grass in every field be withered? Because those who live in it are wicked. The animals and birds have perished. Moreover, the people are saying he will not see what is happening. And so Jeremiah is saying life isn't fair. Why do the people that disregard everything that you say are the most blessed? Why does that happen? That's not fair. How many of you have wondered that at times? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we understand that. God's response, look in the next verse, verse 5. If you have raced with men on foot and they have worn you out, how can you compete with horses? If you stumble in safe country, how will you manage in the thickets by the Jordan? In other words, toughen up, Jeremiah. If you have trouble running with people, how on earth can you run with horses? Because we're not done with this ministry yet. You've got a long ways to go. I'm not going to give you all the answers right now, but what you need to do and what I'm calling you to do is just toughen up. Here's another one. Anybody know who this might be? Yeah, there's Jonah. Good old Jonah. Ride. You know, what a ride. That's a, imagine there, Jonah has been called to go and preach to the city of Nineveh because there's, there's evil going on there. It, Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrians. Very ruthless people. The people that would eventually destroy and carry off a lot of the cities and the people of, of Jonah's own people. And he knew the prophecies. He knew that. And here you have God saying, Jonah, I want you to go speak to the Ninevites and I want you to, to convict them of their sin. And Jonah says, hey, that sounds great. I'm on board. I'll do that. Nope. Okay, Nineveh is this way. I'm going to catch a ship, and I'm going to go this way. I'm going to go as far away from that as I can. I am going to run from God. And I'm going to, there's, there's no way I'm going to stick around. And so he gets out there in the ship, and there's a big storm, and they figure out that Jonah is responsible for the storm. And Jonah tells the, the crew members, just throw me over. Throw me in the sea. No, 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 we don't want to do that. He said, just do it. They throw him over, and things get calm immediately. But this big fish, can you imagine, I don't know if the people on the boat saw it, but they throw Jonah in. <laughs> Here comes this big fish and grabs Jonah. And he's gone. And Jonah has the next three days to think, and to think a lot. And that fish swims. The fish, probably, my guess, is created by God for this specific purpose. And goes and spits Jonah up on shore. And this time... Jonah's had a little think time, and he decides, okay, God calls me to go to Nineveh, I will go. He goes to Nineveh, and he goes around the city, and he says, 40 more days and this city will be destroyed. He doesn't say, unless you repent. He just says, 40 more days and this city is going to be destroyed. And so people hear the message. They repent, and the king says, maybe if we repent, God will not bring this disaster on us. And so Jonah, in the meantime, goes up on the hillside, now, he's, a, he's a, a great spiritual example for all of us, you know, in some ways. 
he goes up on the hillside and he's waiting and he's waiting and he's waiting because what Jonah wants is Jonah wants these people to burn. That's what he wants. He didn't like them. It never once says in the book of Jonah that he was afraid to go to Nineveh. Maybe he was, but it doesn't say that. The real issue, it seems, is Jonah does not like the Ninevites. He doesn't want anything to do with them. He doesn't want God to save them. He wants them to, to feel God's judgment. And so when Jonah is up there on the hillside, and he's listening, and he's waiting, and he's watching, and the destruction doesn't come, he says, God, I knew it. I knew it. I knew you were going to do this. This is why I didn't want to go preach to them, because I know that you're compassionate, I know that you're gracious, and I know that you're forgiving, and I knew it. I knew you would do this. I knew it. And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead, because I would rather die than to see the Ninevites live and not be destroyed. And God responds in different words, but he says, get over yourself. This isn't all about you and your people. There's a big picture here. You're caring about yourself more than you're caring about all of these people who do not know me. And the animals as well. God mentions the animals there as well. And we see in all of these people here, these are people that got to a point they're tremendous people of faith, but they got to a point saying, I am done, I am discouraged, I do not want to go down this road anymore, I'm finished, I'm tired of this. And you notice that God responds to each of them differently. Each one of them he responds, sometimes he, he, he softly encourages them, sometimes he says, toughen up, buttercup, get with it, because this is going to be tough stuff, and you just got to toughen up, there's no other way to do this. But in each one of them, God told these people exactly what they needed to hear in order for them to keep going. And they didn't quit. And so here's a question for us. How many of you at times have felt like quitting? Yeah, all of us, if we're honest. There's times where we felt like, I think I want to give up on God because it seems like doing things God's way is so much work, so much effort, there's so much heartache involved in it, and I would rather just do my own thing. I'd rather be my own God and, and serve me. Or there, there's all sorts of ways that we can say that. But when you feel like quitting, here's a couple things to think about. Okay, number one, cry out to God. Because what we see from these stories is God will give you just what you need. Now, there's times where um, we feel like, and I believe God does this, he brings us right to the edge of, of what we can take, and then he provides. Because that's what I, saw, that's what I see from, from these examples that we looked at, and that's what I know from my own experience in life, is that God can take us right to the edge and pull us way out of our comfort zone and then provide. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Does anybody have that one memorized? No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will always provide a way out so that you can stand under it. The promise of God is that temptation never, ever, ever gets too strong that we don't have a choice when we're children of God. We always have the opportunity to say, ah, no, I will not do that. I will follow God and, and I think we have that opportunity because of God's Holy Spirit living in us and transforming us and changing us and, and, uh, and empowering us to be able to live like he wants us to, to be. But that still means there's times that we cry out to God. And when we do that, God has a way of giving us just what we need in his way to keep us going. 
What I've noticed is the people that you see in Scripture that do not continue to follow God, the ones that get discouraged and quit and go away, this is something they don't do. They don't cry out to God and say, God, I want to be faithful. I want to do well. I'm just so angry. I'm so discouraged right now. I don't know how to handle this. They just, whoop, they go without crying out to God. And so that's the first step for us is always cry out to God because he'll give us just what we need. Let's look at one more example here. Uh, Psalm 13. Here's an example of crying out to God. Psalm 13. This is a Psalm of David. And if you ever feel like, boy, I don't know that God can handle what I have to say or what I'm thinking right now because it's not church language. I know I'm not supposed to say these things. Read the Psalms. Boy, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts day after day, have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look at me and answer me. Lord, my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemies will say, I have overcome him. and My foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. And here we have this great example here of, of David crying out to God. And there's a lot of psalms like this. So when we get to that point where we're discouraged and we want to quit, cry out to God and God will answer. That's the promise we have from him. Number two, find encouragement from other Christians. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to be, is to help encourage each other along the journey and give each other hope to be able to walk the way that God wants us to. Here's another one. Don't quit. Sometimes it's that simple. And that's some of the counsel that God gave to some of these great people of faith, is that no matter how bad it is, no matter what you feel like, no matter what's going on, you just don't quit. You just keep going because that's just what you need to do. Don't quit, just do it. That's what God sometimes just calls us. There is a, if, if you've been around very long at all in the spiritual world, you know, there's times where there's great times of encouragement and just feel like you're so close to God and things are fantastic and wonderful. And there's other times where it feels like there's more heartache. But it's God uses all of those times in order to grow us to be something that we could never be before. And so the key in every situation, no matter where we're at, is we cry out to God, find encouragement from other Christians, and don't quit. Ever, ever, ever don't quit. Because no matter what happens, it doesn't change what Jesus did for you. And I remember very well, um, and I've shared this story with some of you before, I was in, I was in Italy uh, living there at the time, and one of the guys that I grew up with was skiing in Switzerland for the winter, living in a, in a shack and, and um, had all sorts of stories about what it was like trying to ski for, for free and, and all these things, uh, you're trying to survive up in, in Chamonix. And they were trying to live overseas and how that worked. And one of the things that they did, these, these several guys, they tried to, they got some, uh, what they thought was, uh, was liquid, well, soap for cleaning their dishes because they, were, they didn't cook much, but whenever they did, they had these dishes. And they, they thought they got soap for cleaning dishes and it was toilet bowl cleaner, so they'd been cleaning their dishes in toilet bowl cleaner all winter long and you know those those sort of stories and so i remember he and i grew up together in the church and we were on a bus and um and we're riding through rome and i just asked him where are you at spiritually these days 
And he said, man, I saw some tough things when we were growing up, and I decided to run. And I said, I understand that. He said, that's not a very good excuse, is it? I said, well, and it's one of those moments where, where something came out of me that's much more wise than myself. I said, it just doesn't change what Jesus did for you and me, no matter what anybody else does. It doesn't change what Jesus did for you and me. And so whatever our situation may be, wherever you're at right now, there is, a, I hope at the youth rally, that planting this seed for those kids would help them remember and help them understand that no matter what happens, no matter what goes on in their lives, if they cry out to God, surround themselves with people who can encourage them and don't quit, then they will walk through this life faithfully. And the same is true for all of us. And if I can be a blessing for you, or the elders can, we're going to be in the back and we're glad to pray with you. Or catch, catch me sometime this week and say, man, I'm at a time where I'm just discouraged right now. I want, to, I, I want to keep going. I just don't see hope right now. Don't let Satan win. But reach out to God, reach out to others, and, and allow God to, um, to empower you to never, ever quit. Let's stand and sing. And if you would like prayers of the church, the elders are waiting in the back for you.